Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning. Guess what? It's not morning, it's evening, and it's a Char McCain, your reverend for this morning, and uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us on Sacred Sunday. It's still Sunday, and I want to wish everybody a happy, happy, happy New Year and a blessed year to come, and we're so happy to be up and alive and, you know, part of this whole thing, and we're now ringing in 2017. 
and want to thank you so much for joining me. And I wish everybody the best in everything for the new year ahead. And that if 2016 was traumatic for some people, like it was for some of us, um, we just wish you a healing and that we get on with the new year, out with the old and in with the new and pray for God's guidance and everything. And I want to welcome you to um, the 11.30 p.m. chapter of uh, Sacred Sunday. And um, I have been very ill, and I wasn't up to it this morning. So now I'm I'm here so we can have our first first Bible study of the year, which brings us to James 5, if you've been following us. Yes, we made it all the way through, and this is the last chapter uh, by James. And uh, the opening music was by Salve Vocal Group, and you can get them at... Uh, Amazon, you can buy a copy, you can listen to for free to Native Angels by Save on uh, YouTube, and also they're on Facebook if you want to reach them. And uh, let's see, the calling number is 619-924-9744, and all Bible readings will be out of my Ryrie Study Bible. You remember that's the Bible I found, somebody throwing it away, and I picked it up and became my Bible study. I read the whole Bible, and now I'm going through the whole New Testament with you. We've been here Oh, a year or two, and uh, we've been uh, going through it, and we're just finishing with James. So let's focus uh, this evening on uh, brighter days ahead, and God bless you so much, and I love you very much, and thank you for uh, coming and listening in archives. I really appreciate it, and please send your prayers out for me for my health and my mental health. I would really appreciate that. And as we bow our heads and say the Lord's Prayer for the first time in the new year, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And let us not, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we pray for all Christians being persecuted worldwide and the innocent ones that I have just listened to some things today about it with, even within the church, there's prosecution of little Christians that are innocent and um, they're punished and hurt for um, who knows why. I have to be going from the lower power. And their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy just like the rest of the world. And those whose lives were taken for distorted and evil reasons, we believe they have become martyrs. And then we pray for all those suffering from violence here and abroad, and we pray for those who are sick in mind and body, and for those who are lonely and uncomforted. God, please forgive us our sins. We also pray for the soldiers here and abroad. We pray for them, that we thank them for all of our freedoms, and that they have the strength to stay on their best uh, command and to hold up all their principles and to have safety for each other and for their loved ones at home. And we pray everybody comes together in good conscience. And we also pray for those who are suffering from domestic violence from here and abroad. And uh, we pray for freedom from addiction of all kinds. It hurts us in so many ways. And please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect everyone and all your angels to watch over everybody else. And we also remember in our prayers all those who suffer in the world that nobody knows or cares about it. We can't find them. 
wherever they are, we pray for the little hearts and their little safety and those that are in deep trouble. And it seems like there's no way out, but there's always a way out. Just say your prayers. God will help you. Our prayers go all those to the shelter animals that need help and also to all the prisoners. Our hearts are with them, and God bless them. And uh, we pray for those who can't speak for themselves. And we also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. We have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries for problems of suffering all over the whole world. We want to thank you, God, for, for everything you have given us. And thank you, God, sometimes for what you've taken away. And we ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care and his likeness and the way he was. We ask this in Jesus' name. And just remember everybody in, and their families and their loved ones are in our prayers. We also pray for forgiveness for our anger, God. When we're holding resentments and even if it's righteous anger, God, we ask you to please temper it with uh, our wisdom that we're supposed to learn from everything that happens. We ask this all. We ask for a lot. And this is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I wish everybody happy, having a happy birthday or an anniversary on this day. We have a whole lot of birthdays. It's January 1st. We have a lot of January 1st uh, babies. Dale Walker, Rob Lahr, Tiki Wong, Shannon Playground, Shannon Ruby, Massey Riviera, Kelly Ting, uh, George Norrell, uh, Joe Gonyan, Timothy Collier. Shout out to Timothy, my good friend in Long Beach. And then also Don Wells, our, our good friend in Arizona. Addie Prue, Steve Hudgens, yay, Texas man. Piper Lee, another friend of mine. Lots of birthdays, people, I'm telling you. Victoria Carides, Eddie Gassi, Grant Cameron, who's been a guest on my show, um, Matt Parrish, and uh, everybody over at the Mayflower Chorus. Uh, I wish everybody a very, very happy and prosperous year ahead and that you have a very happy birthday and that um, you just have all the happiness in the world and things are going to be fine. They're coming up and uh, we know that there's trouble in this world, but there always has been. And until Jesus comes and gets us, there always will be. And that's just the way it is. And we, you know, I want to say a little, another prayer for us, for our maturity, that we grow up and know how to talk to each other. And we ask in Jesus name, these things and ask, what would Jesus do? We follow the right path and stay on the narrow road. It's not easy, but it's something we should do anyway. I ask us all in Jesus' name that we actually stay on this path because, you know, it's easily easy to think materials and, and things like that are what's really we're supposed to have. But you know what it is? It's the, what we can't see. It's what the love we give other people. All that is really the, the thing that matters. So anyway, so what we're going to do is I'm going to read you the summary to chess, James chapter 5. And it's called, coincidentally, More Money, More Problems. Anyway, listen up, rich folks. God is not amused with you. Major bad times are coming your way. All your wealth will rot. Your fancy designer clothes are going to be eaten by moss. Your gold and silver coins coins are going to rust. Then the rust is going to eat away at your skin like fire. Yeah, it's going to be pretty miserable. It's bad enough you've hoarded money, says James. But you didn't even come by your cash honestly. 
The folks he's cheated out of their hard-earned dollars have appealed to God, and he's heard them. You lived in the lap of luxury during your time on earth, but all that will soon be over. But believers who were assuring aren't rich should be patient. Jesus will be coming back any time now. Wait for him like the farmer waits for his cow crops to grow, says James. You know they're coming. It's just a matter of finding the right time. Stay strong. Don't start complaining about everybody else. Otherwise, you're going to be be judged and big time. So you're going to be looking for examples of folks who have done it right. Look no further than the prophets in the Hebrew Bible, especially Job. We all remember Job. These guys faced tough times, but they kept on keeping on. More advice. Also, when you say something, really commit to it. Seriously, no means no, yes means yes. Whether you're having a good time or a bad time, you should pray. God likes it when you check in once in a while, says James. If you're sick, ask for some of the elders of the church to pray over you and anoint you with oil. Hey, it can't hurt, and that oil smells really good. If you sin, oops, admit it for what you did in the community and tell them about it. God will totally forgive you if you take responsibility when you come up short. Everyone should also pray for each other. Prayer can be pretty powerful, and Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain, and not a single drop fell for three years and six months. He should have remembered and started having it rain again. Anyway, if any believer stops believing, the rest of the community can try to win him back. After all, scooping up the lost sheep is one of God's favorite pastimes. And on that note, bye-bye. See you on the flip side. So that that's the summary that will bring us actually to uh, the end of chapter 5. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to switch over. So get your Bibles ready, and we'll be reading James chapter 5. I think I got my Bible ready. Hopefully I can read it. Okay. Here we are. James chapter 5, Riches, Patience, and Swearing. Come on now, you rich, rich. Weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Gosh, I, I thought the summary was bad. The Bible is really not, not pulling back here. Okay, let's start again. Chapter 5, James. Come on now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted and their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your fresh flesh like fire. It is the last day that you have stored up your treasure. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you cries out against you. And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure, and you have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man who does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and the late rain. You too, be patient. Strengthen your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves are not judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. 
As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke into the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured, and you have the endurance of Job and have seen the outcoming of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oaths, but your, but your yes is to be your yes, and your no, no, so that you will not fall under judgment. And then now it's talking about prayer. It says prayer, we're on uh, James 5, chapter uh, uh, line 13, sorry. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anybody cheerful? Then he is to sing praises. If anyone among you is sick, then he must call for the elders of the church that they are to pray for him, anointing him with the oil of the name of the Lord. So please, as I interject here, please pray for me as I've been sick, and I'd really appreciate um, your prayer until I get well. Thank you. And then the prayer is offered in faith, will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Now we're on verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another and so that you may be healed. And the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain for the earth for three years, six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. The conversion of the airing. So we're on 19 now. My brethren, if any among you strays from the lack of truth and one turns him back, let him know that he is who turns a sinner from the error, is his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So we look to help each other and help each other stay on the straight and narrow, of course. So now let's do the notes, if I can see them. Let's see. Okay, the notes. Some have rested. The rich did not realize that the, the last days were already present. So the last days for Jesus and uh, that he left, so he really may bring us up to him. And we can't hang on to the materials down here because they're just going to rot. And you can't, you can try to get buried with them, but people are trying to take it from you. So, anyway, so blessed is the poor in spirit. Okay, the poor, it says this is probably first to the practice of the rich taking the, the poor to court to take away what little they might have, and then that, then killing them. You know, so you're not paying them the fair wage, and they're working themselves out to death in your field, and all that's going to be held against you. So they're going to be talking against you. So if you're a good uh, boss, they will be saying, yeah, he's a good boss. If you're a bad boss, they're going to say, yeah, he or she is a bad boss. It says, do not swear. Not all oaths are forbidden by this verse, but only flippant, profane, and blasphemous ones. Now, this is the one I tell my clients at work, stop swearing. Anyway. Uh, oaths to the sense of solemn affirmations are enjoined with the law, but this other stuff, no. Cut out the swearing. Suffering should be the cause for prayer, happiness to reason for praise. Then God may heal directly through medicine or in answer to a prayer, as here. The oil is a symbol of the presence of God, and it may also have been considered medicinal in, in James's day, and effective over, and then prayer is effective over all diseases. And that, uh, and it's independent of a confession. Historically, the Roman Catholic sacrament of extreme unction 
developed out of this practice, but the significance of its timely has changed. For the Roman Catholic rite has death in view, not recovery. Some understand the word sick in verse 14 to refer to the spiritual, not the physical weakness in a different uh, translated sick. So anyway, we understand that we're supposed to still carry on in faith and in love and love for each other and patience with each other. And uh, pray for the sick, as it says here, and I, I'm really glad I'm reading this. So next week we're going to go on, move on to First Peter and Chapter 1, and we'll talk about what Peter is. And Peter, of course, is the rock that uh, Jesus built his church on. So we're going to go from this to a little story I picked out in our lovely guide post book that I love to read. So... So this is uh, this chapter, uh, What Prayer Can Do, and it's by Tammy Walker of Moore, Oklahoma. My seven-year-old son, Shane, made it through the four-hour operation to remove a brain tumor, but we don't know whether the tumor was malignant until tomorrow, the doctor said. That night, I didn't leave Shane's bedside. Around midnight, an intensive care nurse suggested I go home and try to get some rest. Here's the phone number of the hospital, she said, handing me a piece of paper. You can call us anytime. I hated to leave, but I had been fully awake for almost 24 hours so that I went to my house where I dozed pacifically. Somewhere around 6 a.m., I dialed the number of the nurse who was given to me. When a female voice answered, I identified myself as Shane's mother. Who is he, the, the woman asked. I was puzzled. Isn't this Children's Memorial Hospital? My name is no hospital, the woman said. We're just a group of women who heard about your son and decided to keep a prayer chain going for him. My friends and I have been on our knees all night praying for the little boy, and one of us just asked God to give us a sign that he had heard. Then you called, praise the Lord. The tumor was benign, and Shane made a miraculous recovery. I tried to get back in the hospital, that woman, and I looked for her. I dialed every possible variation of the hospital's number and never heard her beautiful, velvety voice, but also connected to her always. Oh, thank God for that. Thank God. And it was a benign tumor. Okay, I think we have time for one more story. That's the first reading two stories. Okay, so this, this one is a call for help. A Teresa Morale Hunter of Waldorf, Maryland. A rainstorm had just ended in late January 1968, according to when the uh, UH-1 Healy helicopter settled into the mud on the 12th evacuation to Le Chu Chi, South Vietnam. Oh, my God, that's where my husband was, my ex-husband. The chapter was a troop carrier and a slick, not a medevac type that we're used to. It was full of wounded men who only minutes before had been in battle. Their comrades had hastily loaded and flown them to us. Most of us uh, must have remained, most would remain with us, but the urgent case would be flown under other, another unit not far from Chu Chi. Nurses and medics ran over the rush of blades to fill, lift the wounded through the open sides of the helicopter. Triage was, had begun. There was a sickly smell of blood and mud and shouts of medics and moaning men in pain and the downwinding whine of the chopper's engine. I had just finished a 12-hour shift and should have been headed back to the hooch, the nurse's barracks, but someone called me. Lieutenant Morrell, come here, please. Tell us what to do with this one. I sloped through the mud to a medic standing below a low stretcher. 
Crouching beside the soldier on a stretcher, I observed a massive head wound. He would die if he would not get him to a head trauma unit. I motioned for the equipment and leaned toward the soldier's ear. Don't worry, sweetheart. We'll get you out of here. We'll get you someplace safe. Just hang on. Glancing up to the confusion, I saw crew members heading back to their slick. Wait, I yelled. We have to take this man on and get, get him up north. I jumped to my feet and ran toward the chopper, waving. The pilot glanced at his crew. Flying wounded was not their usual duty. He looked back at me and nodded. Soon hands lifted the litter and slid into the open, loading it against a projecting bullhead near the rear. It took up all but a few inches of the width of the chopper's floor. The door gunners hid the bulky in the huge protected helmets, climbed into the narrow benches behind the litter, facing the outward, sliding in behind mounted M60 machine guns. It was not common for nurses to fly evacuation runs. I had never been in a copter before, but there was no else one else free to go. I scrambled up to the metal floor behind the pilot in the co pilot seat. Someone tossed me a flak jacket and a standard steel pot helmet, and I noticed the gunners and the pilots looking at me, but then they were hooking their helmets up to connectors. The crew would now be able to communicate with each other, and I had no headset, no ear protectors. My helmet flopped back and forth as I struggled to snap the flak jacket over my fatigues and check for the patient's IV was securely attached to a hook overhead. The co-pilot told me to bang on his seat if I needed something once we were airborne that he would then swing his helmet mic out so I could speak into it. I sat down the flat, vibrating metal floor back at the pilot's seat. The doors had been left open, and it was a chopper with no sides. Sweat trickled down my face and under my uniform. I watched my patient closely as the engine wound up to full pitch. The helicopter lifted us up slowly just above the trees, and the noise dropped a bit. It moved forward, and we were flying. The engine and the rotors throbbed with a through the metal roof, and the wind pushed past the open doors. The sounds were deafening. The roar increased as we began to move hundreds of miles an hour. We bobbed just around the, the contours of the terrain, up and down in the jungle, down over the rice paddies and the canal. Suddenly, the pilot shouted something about enemy troops below, and simultaneously, the gunners opened up with their machine guns. The pilot began to fly evasive maneuvers, banking the copters steeply, first one side, then the other. The staccato pounding of the gunfire and the roar of the winds and the whine of the engine mixed in an ear-splitting clash. I forced myself to concentrate on my patient. Hours earlier, I had begun my shift with my daily visit to the chapel area. Now I prayed again, crying out silently, Oh, dear God, do not let my patient die here in all this. Let us get him to a safe place. Then I noticed that the IV had come loose from his arm. He would die I banged the pilot's seat and gave him a level off, but he did not hear me. I clawed across the pitching deck to the litter. As I leaned over to reach for the IV needle, my helmet flipped forward. It would come off and hit the wounded man. So I pulled it off with one hand and flung it behind me. Now I was bent over, hel- helmetless, tearing tape with my teeth with one hand and trying to hold the IV in with the other, screaming silently over and over, Oh, dear God, please don't let him die. Don't let him die here. Suddenly, the gunner on my left stopped firing. He pivoted sharply 90 degrees and bent over until his head covered mine, and his mouth was within an inch of my ear. Why is he here? He does he wants to speak to me? I wondered with a split second he was poised there. Then there was this ping and a pang, 
A bullet headed for my left temple ricocheted off his helmet and is enough force to knock him out. The gunner slumped unconscious over me and my patient. His weight was suffocating us, and I shoved my body to the... And he rolled onto the litter handle, inches from the open door. I didn't know if he was tethered or secured in some way or not, so I grabbed him with my left hand, still holding the IV needle, and I was crying. Oh, dear God, he's fall out. Don't let him fall out. Help us, dear God. The prayer screamed through my heart. It was a little while, a minute or an hour, before the gunner realized what had happened. He spoke to the pilots on the mic, and they broke off uh, firing and flew straight to the hospital. He, he landed. I unclenched my cramped fingers from the gunner's fatigue and the patient's IV. Medics pulled down the gunner down and placed him on a stretcher and then slid the patient's litter to the ground. I headed first to my patient. The IV was still attached. And he was stable, still alive. I touched his arm. Peace, I whisper, and attached. He was stable and still alive. As he rushed off, I never learned what if he survived. I ran the other litter and bent over the gunner, grabbing his wrist, feeling his pulse. His helmet was off, and there was no sign of a wound. In fact, he was only dazed. His eyes opened and focused on me. I bent over him. And what is this, he asked. What do you want? This was a soldier who helmeted. Head covered my bare one in a single bullet in a split second. I just looked at him and said, what do you mean? He spoke again, struggling to rise on his elbow. You called me. Wow. A few days later, the gunner and I walked talk over what happened, and the Tet offenses were now fully underway. He offered me the bullet-scarred helmet as a souvenir, but I insisted to keep it. I do not remember his name. Over the years, I repressed most of my Vietnam memories, and I've always remembered that when I needed protection and a gunner, heard a call for help so loud and clear for the cacophony of noises. In the helicopter, he stopped firing, turned, and bent down to see what I wanted. Tearing the tape from my teeth, I had not spoken a word. I had only prayed in silence to a God who heard me and answered me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Now tonight, uh, we come to the end of this day, and it's now midnight, and I want to wish everyone a happy, happy 2nd of July. And in Jesus' name, bless us. Bless us for the year to come ahead. I love you. God loves you. What, 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 who can fight against you if God's with you? So let's say our traditional prayer, and when we end, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. So as we pray at the midnight hour, the time of silence, and the today in darkness, in closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. You are never alone. God loves you. May your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. Bye, my friends. Happy trail to you. Have a blessed, blessed New Year head. Take care. Bye-bye.